All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves, the premier partner sponsor of HockeyFights.com. Looking to watch a hockey fight? Go to HockeyFights.com. I love going there. Tim loves going there. We all love going to HockeyFights.com. Right, Tim? Sure do. So does Brady Kachuk. Oh, Brady. Brady, Brady, Brady. He does. He loves himself a good hockey fights marathon. So do I. You can dive deep into the old fights. Anyways. The trade deadline is over. I was talking with some coworkers today, just some random people, my wife, whoever I could talk to, who am I kidding? Today was the most nerve-wracking day for me when I was a player. Not because I always thought I was on the deadline, the trading block. As a fourth-line player, when you're in and out of the lineup and you're on a competing team, which I was for, I would say, half of my career, when you add pieces to the puzzle – and you're one of those puzzle pieces that's hanging by a thread and you're sometimes in the puzzle and you're sometimes you're not in the puzzle and you add somebody, guess who gets knocked out of the lineup right away. So I would watch the trade deadline very, very closely. And as soon as they added somebody, I was like, I'm out of the lineup hundred percent. And it happened every time. Sure enough. Just play better, John, just be better at hockey. I wish, trust me. There was many nights I cried myself asleep wishing I was a better hockey player, but it just wasn't in the cards. You know, I was given a certain amount of gifts and I did the best I could. I, I was a six foot nine average skilled player and I made, I made a decent career out of it. But when you're, a, you know, third, fourth line guy, a fifth or sixth defenseman at the deadline, if you're on a competing team making the playoffs, it is a terrible day for you because if your team gets somebody, you're pushed out of the lineup. It's just a matter of the numbers. It's a numbers game at that point, Tim. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's break down these trades, huh? Let's do it. You don't want to hear about me. All right. So you're Boston Bruins. Boston. We were Great accent. We were all concerned, worried, just curious to see what Don Sweeney would do. We predicted he would sit on his hands and just get a Lee Stempniak type. He swung for the fences. He went for the green monster. How did he do? I okay. Two major trades, obviously two trades. Taylor Hall. I check my phone in the morning. First thing I do, this trade went down at like 3 a.m. or something. I did not believe it. I thought it was a typo. I thought someone was messing. Like, you know, there's always those fake trades that break. 
I couldn't believe it. And, and for the haul they got and for what they gave up for him, so Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar, we'll get to Lazar in a minute, for a second-round pick and Anders Bjork. Second-round pick, easy money. He's like, see, for the potential that Hall brings. Anders Bjork, I really liked him as a player. A little bit undersized. He was fast. He was creative. He showed flashes of offensive upside. He, he has connected with uh, Bergeron and Marshawn in little bits and spurts here and there, but never really put it all together. I don't think he was ever really Sweeney's guy. He's scratched a lot in and out of the lineup. So, uh, I think you need a change of pace. Not really going to be missed. Not a permanent fixture to this lineup. I love the Taylor Hall uh, addition because they got him without giving up a first or a full-time roster player. It's a cheap cost for a guy that's only a few years out of an MVP season with a high upside. We talked about it. Like, if he can connect on that second line and give Krejci and whoever they're playing, they're going to start with Craig Smith. I imagine DeBrus is going to get some looks there too. But that'll be huge. to take some pressure off that top line. We talked about that. And remember, he's never really been on a good team. He's never really been on a team that's gone on a deep playoff run. He's missed the playoffs completely most of his career. And I can't really think of many organizations. You know, we've heard some rumors and rumblings about him not being a, a great teammate or not being a, a popular guy in the locker room. Obviously, he's bringing a lot of um, distraction, uh, you know, this deadline. He's been, he's been the talk of the of the whole league for, for media types like us for, for months now. So, there's not many organizations that I think could, could calm that storm down pretty quickly and, and keep him focused and keep him, you know, pointing in the right direction than the Bruins and a leadership group that includes like Bergeron, Krejci, Marshawn, those guys. So I'm pumped about it. I'm pumped to see what he can do. He's going to wear number 71. Um, obviously, number four is retired for the Bruins. But, yeah, I think he'll fit in well, and it can only help him um, for, the, for what it is and the upside that he brings. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, this is a big win for Boston. I was honestly surprised when I looked at the package Buffalo got. It just didn't make a lot of sense. But then when you think about it, you know, I I doubt there were many suitors for Taylor Hall. When you look at the guys who got the first rounders, they were guys who were built for the playoffs. They're guys who are proven winners. They're guys you can rely on in a tough situation. That's just not Taylor Hall. Obviously, he's had a little bit of an issue the last few years. It's well-documented. Even on this show, we talk about it quite a bit. He's only got two goals. You know, he admitted it himself. He's having a terrible year. He can't find his mojo. He is just – he's in a slump, and he doesn't know how to get out of it. He's, he's been trying different things. I think this is a huge win for Boston. I really do. Like you said, it's, it's a low risk. They give up a second rounder and Anders Bork, who are like, he's a solid player, but he's not going to really turn any heads. And from the sounds of it, Taylor Hall, he wants an extension. So he's looking at this like not just a rental. He wants to go to Boston. He wants to sign there and he wants to make it his home. He had a no full, no move clause. So we don't know what teams were in on Taylor Hall. I can imagine a few teams kicked the tires. He had to waive his no move clause to go to Boston. So it's exciting. Does, does he immediately – go ahead. What, what's up? Well, let me take you back 11 years to the 2010 draft. The Bruins had the second overall pick left over from the Kessel trade uh, to Toronto. And for, for months leading up to that, if memory serves correctly, Tyler Sagan was ranked the number one overall pick for, like, the whole year. He was the guy. And then the final couple of months, Hall surpassed him. He was sort of like the more complete player. Sagan was flashy, put up a lot of points. Hall was considered, like, the guy who wasn't afraid to play the ball. He wasn't afraid to get dirty and all that. And he was considered more of a complete player. But for a little while, the Bruins were like, okay, we're going to get Taylor Hall. And they fell in love with him. It would have been perfect on like a Savard line or Krejci line. And then obviously didn't go that way. But the Boston has, has loved and had their eye on Taylor Hall for, for a decade now. Um, so it kind of it comes full circle. And I saw a good tweet from our friend Pete Blackburn who said something like, 
2010 Pete wouldn't have understood how we gave away the Sagan for nothing and then got Taylor Hall for nothing, which is kind of like how it all comes back, right? Um, I, I like this move, and I, and I hope he does stay, and I hope he does prove himself. And, and whether or not the Bruins go on a deep, deep playoff run, him turning into the player that we think he can be and signing an extension will be a big win for them. Yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on just the amount of – hate that Kevin Adams, the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, I don't want to say hate, that's a strong word, but criticism that he didn't do enough to get a first rounder for Taylor Hall, because that's what he said going into this. He's like, listen, we want a first rounder. What do you, what do you say to the critics? Yeah. So that, that's what I heard quite a bit this morning when the news was breaking, people waking up and they're kind of like, why make this move now? Right. When you've still got good to whatever, 12 hours to the deadline, you're, you're looking for a first. There are some teams that might get desperate down the stretch, but more the more reports I read, it seems, and this is like on background unofficially, but that uh, Taylor Hall has, has no movement clause in his contract. And I think he basically said he only wanted to go to Boston or maybe one or two other teams and no one was calling but Boston. So it became more and more clear that Boston was the only team offering a decent package that Taylor Hall would accept a trade to. And I'm guessing that they probably gave and, – and I bet they knew it. I bet the Sabres knew it. I mean, the, uh, the Bruins knew it. But Sweeney and uh, and what's his face knew it, so I bet they. That's gave Kim him, Neely. Kim Neely. I bet they gave him gave him a deadline, and said, "Hey, pull the trigger now, or we're moving on to someone else, like a you know Hoffman, whoever else was on the block." So I think they they took the only the only deal they could take, and maybe maybe a little bit undersold, a little undervalued. But again, to to get some value for a guy you're not going to sign, that's not giving you anything this year. I think they just just pulled the trigger. Yeah, and this might be a case of a, of a GM who is new to this. You know, this is his first real trade deadline. Kevin Adams, they signed him on this offseason to take over the Sabres. And who knows? You know, you don't want to make a huge mistake. This was his opportunity to get some assets back for a signing in the summer that maybe didn't work out. He, I think he would be the first to admit $8 million was a stretch for Taylor Hall. He kind of made a mistake on that one. And do you really want to be left with Taylor Hall when the trade deadline's over and there's like an hour left and you're panicking? to try to trade him so he had an offer there wasn't any other calls maybe coming in and he took it you know you can't fault him for that yeah it looks bad on paper it's like we're trading an MVP just three years removed for a second round pick like that doesn't look that good and we're giving up Curtis Lazar who's a decent player who can plug into the fourth and third line and give you some good valuable minutes so it doesn't look good the optics of it but you know yeah you take what you can get. The market kind of sets itself. And the teams out there who were giving up first rounders, Toronto didn't want a Taylor Hall. He did not fit in their plans. The New York Islanders did not want a Taylor Hall. I said that before. He does not fit the culture with the Islanders. These teams had specific needs, and Taylor Hall did not fill those needs. So I think it's a perfect spot for Boston. I really do. The only other place that I thought that he would have fit would be the Edmonton Oilers. And for some reason, the Oilers didn't really kick the tires. They, they stayed pretty quiet at the deadline, and the Bruins took advantage. They got a really good player for absolutely nothing. You know, it, it's, it's a remarkable trade. Buffalo did their best. But the Bruins, do you think this, as it lines up right now, the Bruins are going to play the Islanders or the Washington Capitals. Do you think they have any chance to beat any of these teams? Yeah, chance, yeah, I do. I mean, I think the teams in the East, all four teams are super close. Probably the closest division, if I'm being honest, in terms of like there's there's no standouts, right? I mean, they're all good teams. And there's no like – you look in the West, like, okay, Minnesota's the odd man out. They're a good team. 
you look down uh, all these divisions, like Montreal is probably the odd man out in the north. Like they're, they're an easy loss for the first round. There's none of that in, in this division. So I, they're certainly not the favorites. They're, they're going to be underdogs wherever they play, but I think they have a real strong chance, and I think it's going to be close. Yeah, I think they addressed one of their issues. They, the, the problem with Boston is they have a lot of issues. Like this isn't just, okay, well, we got Taylor Hall, everything's fixed. Tuka Rask is still like he finally started to skate this past week. He is projected to be maybe back next week. We'll see. Their defense, they addressed it a little bit with another trade. Let's talk about that. The Bruins picked up Mike Riley from the Ottawa Senators for a third rounder. So it's just funny when you contrast a Taylor Hall for a second rounder, Mike Riley for a third rounder. Many people will look at this trade and be like, Mike Riley, who is this guy? Tim, who is Mike Riley? Well, he's a, he was a defenseman for the Ottawa Senators. I don't know too much about him. Um, like you said, he's a third-round third pick. That's what we gave up for him. He's pretty good. Like, he has 19 points this year, all assists in about 41 games. So, put that over a full season, that's about 40 points, which is pretty good. Um, but this was more about the Bruins desperately needing D help. We talked about it yesterday. They skated on, was it Sunday night? The defenseman core that they skated against Washington Capitals was just absolutely atrocious. It was a bunch of AHL players and seventh defensemen, and they really didn't have an answer. You got Carlo coming back, McAvoy coming back, Grizzly coming back, Kevin uh, Miller coming back. So these guys are coming back, but I, it's just a depth defenseman. You can't have too many in the playoffs. Um, I wish they did more. I, I think maybe they might have been counting on Ekholm being available, and, and the Preds kind of pulled back and actually added a defenseman, so they weren't selling. And uh, Riley's a deal that they made. I bet they wish they did a little bit more, but hopefully those guys come back. And, it, it, you know, I like it. It's, just, it's nothing exciting, but it helps them out. Yeah, this, this is the one where I scratch my head because I honestly – Mike Riley is a guy who's bounced around. He, like, he's been in Montreal, Minnesota, Ottawa. Now he's in Boston. He's kind of been bouncing around the league. He's been, I think, in the league for four or five years. He's not that – like, he's not that great. I, I don't think he's that big of a liability – he, he doesn't put up massive points. This is his career year. He's got 19 assists, like you mentioned. Zero goals, so he's not going to go out there and really help the power play. He's not going to lead the rush. But he's a serviceable defenseman, and when you're looking at the Bruins' back end right now, he's going to plug in on the 3-4 right now until the guys get back and healthy. Giving up a third rounder for him, is it's pretty steep, if you ask me. Like, they, they knocked it out of the park with Taylor Hall. Maybe they overpaid with Riley a little bit. Maybe there was better options out there, but I think – the Bruins started to see the defensemen starting to come off the board and maybe they panicked a little bit or they just didn't see anybody they liked. And well, they made this trade before some of these other defensemen went, like uh, Branson went for, I think, a fifth. Um, Gustafson went for a seventh. Like these guys, I would rather have those guys and, and they cost less than Mike Riley did, you know? Yeah, I think they were looking for a, a sort of puck-moving defenseman. You know, John Merrill went, Brandon Montour went, David Savard went. So all these guys were starting to come off the board. And the guys that were left were like, there was Vince Dunn, there was Jamie Alexiak, there was Goodbranson, there's Gustafson. Gustafson is pretty mobile, but not a lot of guys who can, you know, make a decent play with the puck. So when you look at Mike Riley, he looks pretty attractive when you line him up next to those guys. So I think maybe they saw that. Maybe they overpaid a little bit. Maybe a fourth or fifth rounder is more appropriate for a guy like him. But when you need to make a move and always, like we said last show, at the deadline, defense is at a premium. You always pay for defensemen. That's the price you got to pay to play the game, baby. So, I, I don't know. If I'm going to grade both of these trades for the Bruins, I think for the Taylor Hall, it's an A+. I think it's a win-win. It's a low-risk, very high-reward trade for them. Taylor Hall, I expect him to play well there. He's going to be slotted with David Krejci and Craig Smith, like you said. It's a pretty good second line. 
You know, he, he's got a responsible centerman in Krejci who can cover up for his mistakes a little bit. Hall can cheat on offense. Smith is a bonafide playmaker, goal scorer. He's a good player. So I'm excited to see what these three do together. It takes maybe a little bit of the heavy lifting off Pasta and Bergeron and Marchand. I don't know. I could see this team upsetting a team in the first round. I really could. It all depends on Tuka Rask. If he can come back and he's healthy and he is the Tuka that we know and love, I would not want to play the Bruins in the first round just because they have that first line and now they have somewhat of a semblance of a second line that can put some pucks in the net if Taylor Hall is Taylor Hall that we know a few years back. And this is the first time in his career he hasn't had to be the guy. You know what I mean? Like teams have been building around him. There's a lot of pressure. He's kind of supposed to be that – you know, that 40-goal point-per-game guy, now he doesn't have to be. The, the expectations are low, not only because of his performance this year and what he was traded for, just because he, what that top line does. Like, he, he's going to be skating against second and third-pairing defensemen for really the first time in his career. So it'll be good to see what he can do. A little bit out of the spotlight. It's still a big market city, and, and you know, people are paying attention. But hopefully, the, uh, you know, that, that demon is off his shoulder and he can just go out and play and score some goals. Yeah, and getting away from the other team's top checking line. Like, that's a big deal. When you can get away from the other team's number one defensive line, I think that is more of a bigger deal than, like, your top pairing, deep pairing. When you line up against a checking line that's really in your face constantly all game long, that's frustrating. Nobody Like a Dave Bolin type. Like, you don't want to play against those guys. So, he's going to get some space. He's going to get a little more time than he's used to. So, I don't know. What do you grade the trade for Buffalo? Um, like a C+. Plus. See, what are you stuffing in your face? Beef jerky. Listen, we have one of the most successful hockey podcasts in the world right now. I'm on, I'm on vacation, John. There's no rules right now. You're just jamming jerky in your mouth like you're on vacation. It's unbelievable. You're on, you're on a – I won't go down that boat. But anyways, <laughs> another trade. The Toronto Maple Leafs made another move. We this saw is a strange just, one. You did, strange I, I thought it was a little strange too. They swung for the fences and knocked out of the park last night when they got Felino. They got a goalie. I, I was very surprised by this. So they, they called up Calgary, who was, who was in full sell mode, and they got David Riddick, a very good goaltender. Two years ago, he was one of the best goaltenders in the league. Czech kid, you know, had some decent seasons. Faltered last year. Him and Mike Smith didn't really – or sorry, him and – Whoever he was playing, I can't. Markstrom was it last year? I can't remember who he was playing with last year in Calgary. Was it Mike Smith? Albert? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Mike Smith. Anyways, he hasn't played well the last few years. So I'm having a brain fart right now. He goes to the Leafs. What does this say about Freddie Anderson? I, I don't understand this move. They gave up a third round pick for David Riddick to be a third, like a backup backup. Why are they doing this? And not to mention, like, Campbell's arguably the best goal in the league, is the best goal in the league for the last two or three weeks now. Yeah. And, and Hutchinson is a pretty good backup. And then you also have, like, Anderson, who, went, if and when he comes back, is a starter on most teams, if not this team. So it makes you wonder. To me, when I look at this deal, I, I think it's just the Leafs kind of know the stakes are high for these guys, not only in terms of their, like, potential to, to win and go on a deep run, but all the, um, the additions they've added. They have a lot of contracts expiring at the end of this year. They have a lot of rental players right now. They don't want goalie to be any kind of uh, hindrance for them or any kind of reason or excuse for them not going on a deep run. So it's just it's just security, I think. It's insurance to know that like you know they have you know you know they're gonna score goals. They had guys like Felino, a couple uh, defensemen. You know they're gonna stop them, and they just want to make sure that no matter what happens between the pipes, they're gonna be competitive. And I think it's just a little bit of insurance, really. Who do you start? It's Day Campbell's one in the playoffs. It's Campbell's job until he loses it. 
what happens if Freddie Anderson comes back? They put him in, he plays. I don't know if I like this move. You now have four goaltenders on your roster who are capable of playing in the NHL. Obviously, Hutchison is kind of the odd man out. He, he's obviously the number four right now. But you have three guys who are used to being starters now because Campbell, you know, he, he's a starter. Anderson is going to come back. He's like, oh, listen, this is my team. I, I've been leading this team for years now. Riddick has been the guy in Calgary. I don't know. Does it? This is the thing with goalies. They're a funny breed. By getting Riddick, does it plant a seed in the other two guys' head that says, if I mess up, Riddick is going to come into this net and take my crease? That's the thing that I wonder. Imagine if Campbell just starts laying goose eggs now and not in like the shutout way, but like just his performance. Like this is the kind – I almost wonder if they let him know. It's like, hey, this is still your job. We don't want to mess with you. We don't want to ruin a good thing. Like, don't fix what's not broken, but just we're going to go out and find some backup for you, you know? Yeah, you would think I, – I bet you they didn't. GMs don't do that very often. But it, we'll see how this plays out. Dubas has been – you know, he's been pulling all the right switches this season. Like, he got Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk's been playing right. He got Felino. all these guys he signed in the offseason. Thornton's the only one who's really – not panning out like they thought he was, but he'll play great in the playoffs. He always does. Like he's he's a gamer. He's going to up his game a little bit. Simmons is playing great. All of his moves have worked out to date. So I'm not going to doubt him now. We'll see. We'll just see how it goes. I just know goalies. And from what I've heard, Campbell is like as normal as they come, a super cool cat. And, you know, he doesn't get phased by anything. If I'm a starting goaltender and you trade for a goaltender at the deadline, you're not showing much confidence in me. You're planning for my failure, and that means you're expecting my failure. So I just – that doesn't sit well with me. And like I said, at a position like that, they're mental midgets, some of them. Hopefully Campbell's not. We'll see how it pans out. But, hey, if he does get a case of the oopsies, you can throw Riddick in there, and you know you have a guy who can you know win you some games, not lose you games. That's all Toronto wants. They want a guy they can put in and not lose them a game. Yep. So that's it. All right, moving on. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they're in the mix. They're in the playoffs. They're the third seed right now in the Eastern Division. The typically Jim Rutherford, let's go out and make a splash. We're going to get it. We're going to go out and we're going to trade for Austin Matthews and shock the world. You know, I think this guy did his best, best Rutherford impression. He got Jeff Carter. You know, it's okay. Jeff Carter, I think, still has some game in his in his body. I think he's 35, 36 years old. He's been around the block. He just looks like one of those guys who's a playoff performer. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's a smooth operator. He's a big body. He's got a heck of a shot. He's just – he's got buttery hips, like friend of the show Kirby Doc would say. Slippery hips. Slippery – no, buttery. Better. No, it's slippery. Why do I get butter from? I'm such a creep. It doesn't make sense to me. I think you said that once. Maybe Butter. I did. I don't know. But what do, do you like this move? He, they gave up a third and fourth rounder for him. So, they like, it's a pretty steep haul for the Penguins when you're talking about a guy who's 35-plus and isn't really lighting the world on fire right now. Yeah, that's not nothing. I mean, Jeff Carter, really, I almost kind of forgot he was still in the league. He hasn't done much in the last few years. I looked it up a little bit a while ago. Um, he scored 32 goals in the 15-16 season. He hasn't done anything since. So, uh, in terms of like, you know, putting up any serious goals, he might've hit 20 once. I think he'd still be effective though. This is the kind of lineup that he, that he would do well in. If he's going to go somewhere, this is, this is where I'd want him to, to, to go. And I think he can still be effective, especially in that power play. They have a lethal power play. He's going to help that out. 
um, probably balance out those top two units a little bit. And um, yeah, I don't know if they'll get a look playing with, with Malkin or Crosby, probably not. Um, maybe a little bit, but he can play the center. He can play the wing. I think it's a solid pickup. Nothing to get too excited about. He's obviously his, his name brand is worth more than what I think he's actually contributing at this point in his career. But um, one of those guys, you said he's a gamer, he's a playoff performer. So yeah, solid pickup. You know, I would maybe just a little bit too much, but it costs what it costs sometimes. Yeah. It reminds me of a Corey Perry move last year where you're getting a guy who's a veteran, who's been there. He's won a few cups, 2012, 2014, I, I believe. So he knows what it takes. Not that Pittsburgh needs that kind of leadership. When you go into that locker room, those guys have won multiple cups themselves. So, but it doesn't hurt to have a Jeff Carter come in and, you know, give you a little injection of, you know, like you said, the power play, stick them on a line with Malkin, you know, Zucker has been playing great all season. He's been struggling. You never know. You can, you can just really turn around a line, and next thing you know, you have a really potent one, two, three line. So I like it. I like trades. I like Pittsburgh making another move. It's good for them. All right, moving on. The Edmonton Oilers. I had so like high hopes for Edmonton. You know, I really did. This has been a breakthrough year for them. I feel like they've really figured out their decor. They have a, a – you know, Mike Smith has been playing well. I, th- I think he has solidified their goaltending situation for the time being. He's not the long-term solution, but he's been playing really good. I thought they would do something up front. I really did. I thought they would go out, get some supplemental scoring. I honestly thought they were going to go after Johnny Hockey. Johnny was on the market. Teams were calling about him. They obviously didn't get the haul that they wanted. They got Dmitry Kulikov. They got Dmitry Kulikov. What kind of defenseman do you need in the NHL right now? If you're the Edmonton Oilers, what kind of defenseman do you want? You need a mobile defenseman who can join the rush. You need slippery, buttery hips. You need fast feet. You need a good first pass. You need a guy who jumps up in the rush who can keep up with your stallions up front. And you get Dmitry Kulikov, a big-body defenseman from the New Jersey Devils. He is your definition of a high and hard off the glass defenseman in the mold of Ken Danico. That's it. And you put him on the Edmonton Oilers. I don't understand this move. Is this a case of a GM being like, we need to do something. We got to do something. Let's get Dmitry Kulikov. That sounds like a good idea. Is this going to win you any hockey games, Edmonton? Is this going to improve your team, Edmonton? Nope. Is this just going to infuriate Connor McDavid at the end of the day that you're getting him a slug who is not going to help him? He's going to throw a puck up his ass and not going to be able to break out a puck at all? Does this help you, Edmonton? We might have to bring on some of the boys from Hockey Fights to talk about it. They're all Oilers fans. I want to know what, what they think of all this stuff. Oiler Nation must be up in arms right now. You have a legitimate chance, Edmonton, to make a run in the playoffs. You have a good team. This is your year. You only have to beat two teams in your division to make the final four. You don't have to go through another team. You know these teams. You, you compete with Edmonton. You compete, excuse me, Winnipeg. You're competitive with Toronto. Make a move. Do something. What chance do you give them to, to win this division in the playoffs, come out of, the, out of this division? 10%. You give them the other 90 to, to Toronto? Yeah, well, Toronto's probably at a 70, and Winnipeg's okay. at a 20. Okay. Yeah, I just think Toronto they, Toronto might even be higher. They did so much at this deadline, and they were already head and shoulders above the competition. And they, they completely – Dubas just made all these other GMs look like kids. Like, it was just too easy for him. He went out and got the best forward on the market. He went out and got a good backup goalie. He just did everything he needed to do. 
in order to make a contender. He got another defenseman to, you know, join his stable defenseman. He got um, another forward. He like, he got Riley Nash. Like he did, he did everything you need to do as a GM going into the playoffs. And Edmonton got Dmitry Kulikov. (laughs) Well, we talked about um, all all the best teams getting a little bit better. Toronto, like you said, Bruins, Washington, Tampa. I didn't think the Vegas Golden Knights would join in on that trend, but they did. They picked up this guy, Matthias Janmark from Chicago with a fifth round pick in exchange for a second and a third, second this year, third next. I literally had to Google him. Like, I know I have heard that name. I didn't really realize he was that good. He's put 10 goals and 19 points this year. Um, AKA the same amount of points as Mike Riley on defense, <laughs> 10 goals still, but um, he's going to be a third at best guy, third line guy in that lineup, maybe a fourth with some upside, you know, he's, he's a younger player still, but it seems like a pretty steep price. What do we know about this kid? We know exactly what you said. He, he is an okay hockey player in the NHL. Don't get me wrong. He's an unbelievable hockey player when he's compared to everybody in the whole world. He's an okay hockey player. He, he's not going to really move the needle in Vegas. I, I don't understand the second and third rounder. Everybody was really excited about this guy at the deadline. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't get it. I think that's just the market wasn't there. There wasn't many high, not even high end, like decent playmaking forwards who could make a difference on a team. There wasn't many. Nashville had a couple. They pulled out. Philly had a couple. They didn't want to make any moves. Um, St. Louis, you know, everyone was thinking they were going to blow it up and make a move and trade one of their high-end guys. They didn't do it. Bozak stayed there. Hoffman stayed there. They didn't add anybody. St. Louis just kind of just unplugged the phone and didn't do anything. Vince Dunn stayed there. So this Matthias Janmark was the only guy who was maybe available. Like what other forward that got traded was – you know, of his caliber, and he only has 19 points. Like Carl Soderberg got dealt. I guess the only guy who we'll get to in a second that I, I think is a good forward is Sam Bennett. I like Sam Bennett. Florida picked him up, but for the Vegas Golden Knights, like, I, 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 he's going to be a healthy scratch. Like, he will be a healthy scratch. I, I truly believe that. How does he crack this lineup? I don't know. And especially a team like that with some, with some heavy contracts, giving up some draft capital like that really surprises me. But again, they see their window. They, they want to make a deep, deep run here. They, they're, they're basically cup or bust at this point. So I, I don't hate them for adding some offensive upside, a little bit of scoring, a little bit of depth. But yeah, it's just, I guess I just, I need to know more about this guy. I maybe I need to do a little bit of research or article reading, but I, I just, I can't see the hype around him. I don't understand what it is. No, you don't need to do anything. He'll go there. He'll, he'll get some playing time. But I think at the end of the day, when the playoffs start, he will be a healthy scratch. Mark my word. They like their fourth line. They like the guys who can go around and bang some bodies and create some disruption. He's not going to be on the third line. So he's definitely not going to be in the first and second line. He will be a healthy scratch. You heard it here first. Moving on. Colorado Avalanche on fire right now. They've won um, 27 in a row. They're unstoppable. They're an absolute wagon in the West. Yep. They pick up an old familiar face, a guy who's been there before, had his, played his best hockey in Colorado, arguably. You know, he played some decent hockey in Boston. But Carl Soderberg, big body guy, can win some draws at center. How do you win hockey games at Stanley Cups, Tim? Where do you need to be strong? You need to be strong with wingers and bench coaches. Fact. False. Fake news. Down the middle on the back end. I got to get a t-shirt. How do you win? Down the middle and on the back end, baby. That's how you win hockey games and Stanley Cups. And Carl Soderberg, he's a very serviceable centerman, you know, responsible. 
has scored some big goals in his day, you can just plug him in on the fourth line and see you later. You know, you know what you're going to get. Very reliable. That's what GMs want right now at the deadline. Reliability. Guys you know aren't going to make mistakes and cost you games. Guys are going to make the right play when it matters, Tim. <laughs> just woke up all my kids. I don't care. I'm so fired up. This deadline. I love it. I love it. All right. What do you think of this trade? Does this help Colorado? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing more to add. You, you nailed it. Good, good depth player. He's Damn right. I nailed it. I nailed yeah. it. Good. Yeah. Moving on. Panthers. Right. We mentioned Sam Bennett. Very good player. I like Sam. I know you Don't, do. He's got the Ryan Getzlaff look where if you look at his, his photo, he, he looks like he's 10 years older than he actually is, but he's a young kid. So he, he's a young body, did not work out in Calgary. He was, a, I think, a high draft pick. He gets shipped to Florida. I like this move for Florida, you know? He was, a, he was a fourth overall pick in 2014. I knew it. I knew he was a high draft pick. Swing and a miss for Calgary. New place, fresh face, hopefully a better result than he had in Calgary. I don't know. He, he, he joins the band of misfits that they have in Florida right now that seems to be working. Everything they do, Coach Quinville is just sprinkling his Quinville dust on all these players, and they're playing great. We'll see how it pans out. Ekblad being gone is going to be a big issue for them. I know they picked up what's-his-face a couple of days ago. He might help Brandon Montour. I like this move. You know, like I said, he's a hard-nosed player. He plays the body. He f- drops the gloves Sometimes he's a tough kid. I like it. Calgary doesn't get it. They get Emil Hyman. I've never heard of him, but apparently he's in Calgary now. So he sounds like he's from Switzerland. He's probably a really skilled player. I don't know much about him, but the main key here is Sam Bennett. Good for him. Hopefully Florida. I like Florida. I really do. I think they're a good team. I I love Joe Quinvo. He's my guy. Do you see this? vaulting them over Tampa Bay or Carolina? No. Well, maybe Carolina. I don't think this vaults them over. I think I might have already had them ahead of Carolina. Um, but I, I don't I don't know. Sam Bennett, he's one of those guys, like you said, you're high hopes, your fourth overall pick. You're supposed to be better than this at this point. He scored 18 goals, 36 points his first year, his rookie year. So you're kind of like, okay, he's got some upside here, and he hasn't even touched it since. His, his, he scored 13 twice, and that was and he hasn't scored double digits in three years. So he's not producing. I think he's one of those guys who's kind of the, the stereotypical kid who, 24, I think he can benefit from a change of scenery. I think he can benefit from – a new team, new city, and just maybe fitting into a winning organization that he hasn't really done in Calgary. So hopefully it works out. Good depth addition, but I, I don't think they're expecting too, too much. I could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, I, I do like Florida, too. They're an easy team to root for. I really wish Calgary would have done something. Obviously, Daryl Sutter and Johnny Gaudreau are not going to mix well. They're not. They're, they have completely different styles. They're already from- not. They're completely different generational types. Johnny Gaudreau is a young hotshot who just wants to be patted on the back and consoled and told he's just the best player on the earth. Daryl Sutter is the complete opposite of that. He's going to tell you like it is. Why? I just, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Those type of coaches and those type of players do not work. We're seeing it in Columbus right now. Patrick Laine and John Tortorella, they don't mix. Oil and water. It's happening in Calgary. They gave Sutter a couple-year contract, so he's not going anywhere. He's in charge to right the ship. Johnny Gaudreau is not going to work out there. Mark my words. Another one. 
Write it down. He's not going to end the year in Calgary next year. He's going to be gone. And they would have got a bigger haul this offseason than they're going to get next offseason. Write it down. Right. Write it down, Flames Nation. Moving on, Montreal Canadiens picked up defenseman Eric Gustafson from the, for the Flyers for a seventh-round pick. Now, this, remember, Gustafson only two years ago scored 65 points, um, or maybe 56 this, points. With does Chicago. this guy get traded like more than anybody ever? Yeah, he's been traded. I think this is his fourth team, and he's only 25, something like In, that. In like two years, though. I feel like yeah. every time like he's just been bounced around this dude. I like this pick, though. Uh, he's a low risk, you know, and pretty good upside. I wouldn't say high upside, but, you know, if, if you can connect like, like you did, I think he sort of caught fire that, that first year. I don't think we're ever going to see that again from him. But he's pretty skilled offensively. Um, I'm surprised more teams didn't bite on him for that price, a seventh-round pick for next year's draft. But it, it's interesting that they waived that Victor Meat kid and they go and add this guy. It sort of seems like they, they gave up a little bit more than they got in that situation. He was picked up by Ottawa, but, you know, whatever. Eric Gustafson – you kind of look at that whole um, – it's the Galchenyuk thing. It's like, hey, he, had, he, he put up a lot of points his first year, like you said it. Like, he's going to have that attached to him forever now. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Solid, solid addition. He joins the cast of Montreal Canadiens who are pretty good players. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good player going to Montreal. That's what you can say about everybody on Montreal. Well, they're pretty good players. That's all they have. They have no really superstar players – they have no one who's really bad. It's a pretty good, pretty good team. It's obviously working out for them. You know, they're having a really great year. They're going to get their doors beat off first round by Toronto, and it's going to be bye-bye Mark Bergevin. See you later. We'll see if we can regroup. And they got a – I don't know. They had high hopes for that team in the offseason. They, they did make some good moves. Everybody was all in on Montreal. I was one of them. I liked all the moves that they made. It's not working. It's not working. Josh Anderson's doing, playing pretty well. I don't know. I mean, oh, they've had some injuries. Gallagher's out. We'll see what happens. They're pretty, you know, they're a pretty good team. They are pretty good. Speaking of pretty good, Jordy Ben, he's pretty good, right? Pretty good beard. Yeah, he looks like a like a Viking or something. Lumberjack. The Winnipeg Jags Jets picked him up from the Vancouver Canucks for a sixth round pick. I actually like this move a lot. I think well, one we know they needed D, but I, I like it. He's a solid. Stay-at-home, serviceable defenseman. He's pretty tough-nosed. Um, he might not be a top four in, in most teams. He might be for these guys just because they're, they're pretty weak on defense, especially on this type of defenseman. They got the Pionk. They got Morrissey. They don't really have a guy who like him. Um, but he plays the hard minutes, adds some toughness on their back end, and he's very cheap cost, obviously, for a six-round pick. Whatever. It doesn't do anything. They have Logan Stanley, a young kid who's a first-rounder. Big, big body, 6'7". Chuck's some pretty good. He got into a fight the other day. I like him. Like me some knuckle chucking. It's Jordy Ben. It's Jordy Ben. He's pretty good. He's a pretty solid player. He's, he's gonna give good. you he's gonna give you fifteen minutes. He's gonna block three shots. He's gonna get one shot. And you hope he's a plus. Most likely he's gonna be an even. He's a good player. It doesn't do anything for the Winnipeg Jets. Doesn't address any of their issues. It's almost like Kevin Sheveldayoff just wanted to make a trade. He's like called up Vancouver. Does he have COVID anymore? No. All right, we'll take him. <laughs> I'm I'm better than he is. I got traded for a fifth rounder. That means I'm better than he is, Tim. You sure are, John. Look it up. It means I'm better than him. So the last one, and it actually you have big... jerky burps right now. I'm not having any burps. Yeah. What are you turning your head burping? I'm not burping. Stop trying to embarrass me in front of the listeners. Teriyaki burps or what kind of jerky do you got going on there? 
It was uh, black pepper. Did you just buy that at the airport when you're on your Margaritaville trip? No. Or did you get it in Virginia? I got it in Virginia. I got it at the grocery store today after work. What, did you get? what else did you get at the grocery store? I got some fruit and I got some almonds and jerky and granola bars. Did you, did you pack your face lotion in your checked baggage or your carry-on? I, it was all carry-on. I didn't check anything. So you must not have a lot of lotion or did you just get a bunch of individual face lotions? It's 3.4 ounces, John. How but that's much the lotion max. do you use per face lotioning session? Just a little dime, little the size of a pea or dime or whatever on your, on your fingertip and you're good. Sometimes when I wash my kids' hair, I put way too much shampoo in their hair. And I just, there's so much soap. I, I have a bad judge of lotion and shampoo dis- distribution. You have a lot to learn, John. I do. You figure after washing five kids' heads and they have tons of hair, I'd figure it out. Less is more when it comes to shampoo and lotion. So the last big trade of the day, <laughs> and arguably the biggest one at the deadline, John is falling out of his seat right now. You hate when I just talk. You're like, let's stick to people want to hear hockey talk. I think it's interesting. All right, go on. Your, your kids' shampoo and lotion amounts. Um, just to, like you don't need much. A little goes a long way. The, the commercials are true. Yeah, but your girls have long, thick hair, though. You probably Beautiful. think you need a lot more. My hair's thinning like crazy. I tried no. to use that shampoo that thickened your hair. I don't think it really did anything. I'm just Thank happy you. I have some hair left. I'm almost 40, and I look okay. You got to give Patrick Sharp's guy a call and see what he's using. Steroids. You know what? <laughs> I, I did get a prescription for, um, what's the Rogaine? No, it's uh, Propecia. What is that? It's the thing that helps you grow hair. Remember um, Roberto Luongo got busted for some performance enhancer? And no. he's like, no, it's my Propecia. So he, he had like some exemption. He's like, because he, he used it. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, but how did the trigger a drug test though? It's got something in it that's illegal. And he's like, no, it's, it's all good. And I, so I got the prescription. <laughs> I didn't even want it. My trainer came up to me. He's like, hey, I can get you this. Gapper. <laughs> I'm like, you like, jerk. It was in Chicago. So I, I got it. I, I brought it home and I just never, I don't like taking pills. I'm like, I don't, I don't like this. So I never, I never took it. I sold it on the street. Yeah. Those six kids. It's expensive. Oh, just thickness of hair. I was just like, imagine, imagine me with a thick head of hair. <laughs> your, your drain just must be clogged all the time. Yeah. yeah I, I pulled out some raccoons out of my drains before. This is <laughs> gross. Anthony Mantha. Was <laughs> he even on anybody's trade deadline list? The answer to that is no. Was this a reactionary trade by Washington, seeing all the other teams in their division, you know, adding pieces? The Islanders add a bunch of pieces. The Bruins add a bunch of pieces. Pittsburgh goes out and gets Jeff Carter. Do you think this was reactionary? Do you think this was a good trade for them? They, they had to give up Jakob Vrana. Richard Ponick, a first rounder and a second rounder for Anthony Mantha. What this shocked me when I saw this, it came across the wire at three 30. You're dying to talk to him. I can see you. So just go take it away. It, it, I don't think it was reactionary just purely because of when the trade went down and, and the, and the price, the packages they gave up, right? Like this is not something that you just, reactionary would have been going like, Hey, throwing a fourth rounder for Mike Hoffman, just because other teams were adding this haul they gave up, I think is 
had to be intentional. Um, Anthony Manta, he's a good player. We talked about him before. He's a, a big body, good frame. He can score. And, and I think he adds, creates a, a really good depth for the Capitals that creates a sort of a matchup nightmare for some other teams. Because you kind of like every line you go against is going to be big and strong. Like you got Tom Wilson, you got Ovechkin, now you got Manta. Um, that's not going to be a fun team to, to battle plan against. So I, I, I like this pickup for them. Um, but that's a hefty, hefty price. I think the Caps obviously see some kind of opportunity there in order to, to go all in like this, giving up their first and a second. And two good young players for them. Jacob Frana hasn't done a ton, but he's been logging pretty much top six minutes the whole time he's been a Capital. I think he played on Oshie's line quite a bit. Um, but I think they see themselves as the cream of the crop in the Eastern Division. They see themselves coming out of that, and they didn't want to risk any of that by the, the other teams getting better. So I think they just kind of, like we talked about earlier, insurance, like, hey, you know what? We're going to keep adding just because we want to make sure we come out of this division and we can beat the, the Lightning in the next round. So I love this pickup. It's a hefty price to pay, but that's the cost of doing business, and I, I like that they're going for it. Yeah, you, you don't see many players of his stature anymore in the NHL. Like, he's 6'5", 240 pounds, and he can move pretty well. Like yep. he's got a good set of hands. Lethal shot. He's still, he's still young. He's, he's 25, 26 years old. I think he's got like 21, 22 points this year. I just – it surprised me. I, I don't know why they make this trade. It, it, it really kind of shocked me. I think it is a little reactionary. I, I think they saw Boston make a move. I think they saw the Islanders make a move, move a few, few days back, and, and they just wanted to do something to improve their team. Panic. He hasn't really done much in his time with Washington. He hasn't really produced. Verona's a good player. Like, he is a legit good player. He has more points than Mantha. He hasn't been playing terribly. I don't know. I, I, I'm still scratching my head with this trade. If it's just Verona and panic for Mantha, maybe I get it. But a first and a second, that's a big that's – a, that's big. It's you know a lot. I mean? It's a lot. So maybe they're, this is a more of a, a rental. This is a longer term, you know, game plan for them. Anthony Mantha, you know, he does kind of fit into their plans long term. Like you said, he's a big body right winger, got a heck of a shot. He's got some grit to his game, you know, put him on the first or second line. Tom Wilson's on the first line. Next thing you know, you have a pretty scary first and second line where guys who you have to keep your head up, but boy, oh boy. I don't, I don't know if this makes them better. That's the only thing. If, I, if I'm the GM, is my team better today than it was yesterday? And I, I can't say yes, it is, because you're losing Jakob Vrana, who is a good top six forward, and Richard Panic, who's not great, but, you know, he does have moments for Anthony Mantha. That's, that's all I'm looking at as a strictly does this make my team better, and the answer to me is no. So I think this is a major lose for the Washington Capitals this year. It's a loss this year. But if you're, you know, if you ask me this question two years down the road, maybe Manthana, he, he blossomed into a really great player. But right now, he's not that player. He's a, he's a, he's a good big body player. But I think Verona's better. Just when you, you know, who's going to help the team more from now until the finish of playoffs? I think it's going to be Jakob Verona. I, I do think they're better, but if you if you look at this trade and step back and look at the whole deadline as a whole, we've seen quite a bit of trades over the last. Got 72 hours. It started a little bit early this year. What do you, what is your take on the deadline as a whole? Did it excite you? Did it disappoint? Did it live up to the hype? Like what's your, what's your takeaway from this week? Well, today was a little bit underwhelming and just because I don't think there was a big name players that there usually is. 
I think there was a lot of factors that kind of held the deadline back. The, the divisions being separated and teams in Canada really having a hard time to trade with the, the travel quarantine and stuff. The salary cap played a big, big factor in this. I feel like teams just, they were up against it and you had to be really creative with the trade. So today was underwhelming. I think yesterday and the day before, we're exciting. Taylor Hall, Kyle Palmieri, David Savard, Nick Felino. Those are some big trades. All the big moves happened prior to today. And I think the big winners in this trade are the teams that made those trades early. The New York Islanders, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think are the massive winners of the deadline. They improved their teams. They were already the big, you know, the first place teams in their division. And they further distanced themselves from the other teams in their division. I like those moves. Um, another thing that hurt the deadline was the Nashville Predators. They, they have just been winning and now they put themselves in a playoff position and they didn't, they didn't sell anybody. They have a lot of guys on their team who other teams were just chomping at the bit to get. I think they added a player. So, you know, that, that was a big hurt. They had the two big defensemen on the market with Ellis and Ekholm. Everybody wanted to get their paws on and they were all of a sudden off the market. So you had to, you know, teams pivoted and went different directions. A lot of guys who we thought were going to get moved didn't get moved. The, the Blues didn't, like we said, make any moves for some strange reason. So it was just a very uneventful day. I think one thing that was strange, Patty Marlowe didn't get traded. You know, he, he made it very well known. Like he wanted to go to a contender. He was willing to go anywhere. You know, like he would move his new no-move clause to anybody. But it just didn't happen. So but, do you think they had any offers on Patty or do you just think he just – you know, didn't want to do it. I think he just didn't want to do it. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I, I did see a cool video though. Last night they played the Kings and this is the last time they're going to play the Kings this season. So after the game, they had a cool moment where some of the older guys on the team, Jeff Carter, quick Kopitar came approached him after the game and just shook his hand and showed some respect to him on the ice. Just, you know, this could be the last time they ever play him. So they kind of, it was a cool moment that caught on, caught on camera. I'm sure it meant a lot to him because He's had some big, big battles with those guys over the years and nothing but respect between those players. Patty's like, I kind of want to play next year. I don't know why you're doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guys. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> you want to grab dinner? I don't know what's happening. But you don't yeah, think I can no, do it anymore? Nice. It's very nice. You know, they've obviously battled for years and years and years. So nice to see at the end of the day, everybody's human. Everybody really respects what Patty Marlowe has done for the, for the NHL. It will be nice. He's going to break Gordy's record in four days now, four games, excuse me. So he will go down. Friend of the show, Patrick Marlowe. I don't think he's a friend of any other show. As the most games played in NHL history. Of the 100 years of the NHL, Patrick Marlowe will be number one. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. And we knew him before he did it, before he was famous. I knew him before, anybody, before he was Patrick Marlowe. Isn't that funny? We did an interview with him in his hotel room. We're like, do you think this guy's going to make it? <laughs> Look at him now. A short two years later, he's got the most games in the NHL. I would have never guessed. <laughs> <laughs> would have never guessed. <laughs> Anyways, what is your ending thoughts on the on the big deadline, Tim? What are your what are your thoughts? I I kind of like that it was spread out. Like the trade started a couple of days ago, and it was pretty consistent. Like every few hours, at least a few times a day, there was there was something breaking, and I like that because. I don't know. It takes all the pressure off that big day. It spreads the fun out a little bit. Um, as a Bruins fan, I'm thrilled with, with Taylor Hall. As a hockey fan, I think it was a lot of fun to watch this the last couple of days. I, I, I always wonder, and sometimes these stories trickle out. We saw it with Getzloff. You know, Montreal was knocking on the door for him. Just like how many deals get pretty close to happening and for whatever reason they fall through. 
it's always fascinating to know like what those conversations are like, what the compensation would have been, what guy could have gone away for one reason or another he didn't. Um, those are kind of fun to, to hear them. But now trade deadline behind us, it's, it's basically playoffs or bust. Everyone's focused now. Um, the Bruins – so here's the funny thing. The, the, the Flyers have been passed technically by the Rangers. They're tied for, for points, but Rangers have a tiebreaker. So Rangers are the, are the hotter team of the three right now, and they're the one to beat, but the Bruins still have two games in hand and four points, and the Bruins still play uh, Buffalo six more times, who is now Sands, Taylor Hall, Curtis Lazar, and uh, Brandon Montour. So hopefully some big wins coming for them. Hopefully Taylor Hall clicks, but I don't know. What was your question? What was the deadline like? It was yeah, what you thought of that? And if you think yeah. Jack Eichel is going to come back now to the end of the season, not a chance. No. He's going to sit out the rest of the year. He, there's no way he's going to come back and risk getting injured. or just There's no point. Buffalo has just solidified themselves for the number one overall pick, hopefully, and they can just get some momentum. You know, get some, get some positivity going in Buffalo. That's what we want to see. Anyways, now it's exciting. We transition. Deadline's over. The push to the playoffs. I'm very excited for the playoffs. I think these are going to be super action-packed. The teams are familiar with each other. I think it's going to be great. I love this format. And the best part is when we're going to get down to the final four. These teams have – excuse me, a jerky burp. These teams have never seen each other. They don't know anything about each other. It's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. And I don't get excited about hockey too much, but I've texted you multiple times, Tim. I'm like, this is going to be great. Like the first round, Washington versus Boston is going to be epic. Like I'm so excited oh, that these are going to go down. Oh, oh it's going to be great. Oh. Chara in Boston. Oh, I can't wait. Honestly, I honestly can't wait. It's going to be it's, fantastic. But anyways, any other things uh, you want to drop on us, Tim? No, that's it. Yeah, thanks for following everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Likewise, I appreciate the support, everybody. Hope everybody enjoyed the deadline. Hope your team got a lot better or prepared for next season. I hope you guys uh, keep listening. We love it. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 